Y'all have a seat. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, team. Thanks for just going on. I want to finish up with that hymn. I don't want to miss that. I'm just fired up about that. Welcome to church. Today I want us to talk through John chapter 14. We're in a series called Fresh Air. And if you're like me, it, it, you kind of look hard to find something fresh today. I mean, when I think of fresh, like you ever walked into a bakery in the morning and you caught that waft of fresh bread and like your brain said, I am home. I mean, it's like I can remember walking and I'd spend summers with my grandparents and uh, I can re- I would walk in the kitchen and she made, you know, the red eye gravy and the country ham and then they're like the homemade biscuits that were small. So they were like, if you were a little boy, it was a bite. And I can remember walking in and thinking to myself, this is heaven, you know? Like if you ever, like I want y'all to get this picture have you ever gone through Hardee's and you didn't have breakfast early, so it's almost time for them to shut down the breakfast thing, but you're starving? And you go through the line and the, the loudspeaker goes, and you say, I want a steak biscuit with American cheese on it. And then I want another biscuit with a cup of gravy and tried to eat both of those while you rode down the road, I mean, while you drove down the road? If you've never done that, it will bless your situation. (laughs) But when you drive up and you smell the sausage and the bacon and the bread, you're like, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You know, there aren't many things in life that do that to you. Food just happens to be mine. Like some of you run for three miles and think, oh, bless the Lord. What a sicko. I mean, what is wrong with you people? Some of you are weightlifters and you're like, you know, and I got my best record today. And I'm like, I'd rather have a biscuit. Because fresh air means a little something to everybody, doesn't it? A little differently. Jesus is gathered with his disciples in the upper room, and he's already told them, one of you guys are going to betray me. How would you like to be in the room when that happens? Like, can you imagine if Jesus showed up in this room and he said, hey, one of y'all at Sugar Hill Church is going to betray me. I guarantee you, almost everybody in this room is like, I know who he's talking about. It's him. Some of you are thinking, it might be my spouse. And some of you are thinking, I know it's my kid. But can you imagine being in the room? When Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me? No, not me, Lord. I'd never do that. And then Jesus gets to this part. In John, in John chapter 14, beginning of verse 1, it says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, we usually use this scripture in a funeral, right? So if, if I'm preaching your, your funeral here, right, and, and there you are, there's your cold dead body in front of me, and I say, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Who am I talking to? Well, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to y'all, right? I mean, because they don't care, right? I mean, they're, if, if they know Christ, they're already in heaven. To be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord, and it's like, have at it, Chuck. Do your thing, right? Because, you see, we, we people here on earth, we experience life, death, and then eternal life. But people who pass away as believers go from life to eternal life. There's no death in the middle, right? And so 
So I would be saying to them in the room, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So these are the red letters of Jesus. Jesus is speaking. And by the way, I'm one of those people that believes the red letters of Jesus trumps everything. That when he says it, he means it. He didn't quabble with words. He didn't speak in riddles. He spoke specifically. And this is a word not only to those disciples, but to disciples today. You say, well, Chuck, I'm not a disciple. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, you are most definitely a disciple. A disciple is a follower who is basically an apprentice underneath a leader. Jesus being the leader, you're apprenticing under Jesus. And so you are most definitely a disciple. So Jesus is not just speaking to them because the context to them was don't be troubled because what I've told you is I'm going away and you certainly know what to do. So listen to the rest of the story. He says, trust in God and trust also in me. Now here's a really important part of how we are able to walk in faith in Christ because what we have here is this Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. And Jesus is saying, you can trust in God. So he's speaking to people who already get the concept of Jireh, about Jehovah, where where he's speaking to people who understand God our creator. But now he's saying, you can trust in God and you can trust in me. And now he's going to unpack that a little bit more because clearly they're struggling. But watch this. These are the same people who've been walking with him and talking with him and watching him do miracles and teach and preach all across the countryside. And the text goes on and says, there's more than enough room in my father's home. So if you listen to what Zach had to say, please remember that the father's home, he's not speaking about the physical church building. All right, the Father's home is the kingdom of God, and He rests and resides in the church. So, who is the church? Not the building, not the denomination, not the name, but us. As a follower of Jesus, you have become the church, and Jesus resides in you. Which then, if you were a little boy or girl, you would say, How does somebody six foot four, 185 pounds, rest inside of me? And some of you are saying, I didn't know it said that Jesus was the size in the Bible. Well, I don't know that either. I just wanted to get your attention. And in in the middle of this, Jesus says, you can trust in him, you can trust in me. And then he says, if this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? So now watch this. In a funeral, the context would be, he has prepared a place for this loved one who has gone to be with heaven. But the message to those of us sitting in the funeral would be, I've also prepared a place for you, but now not just eternally. All right, what he's saying is, I prepared a place for you now, And I've prepared a place for you then. And the place for you now is within my kingdom, trusting me, walking with me, and learning with me. But in the American church, we turn that into, I go to church, or I go to a group, or I give, or I go on a mission trip. But Jesus nowhere says that's the issue. Jesus is saying he's the only issue. Like, nowhere do you find Jesus saying, okay, if you're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, if you're Catholic, if you're Episcopalian, you're in. Jesus is making a point, don't trust in just anything, trust in me because you can trust in God. And in a minute, he's about to unpack the fact that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And that if you're in him, then you are in the Father and the Father is in you. All right, are you beginning to see how complicated this conversation gets? Now watch what happens here, all right? When everything is ready, and I've read so many theologues who give me their opinions on what that means, so let me tell you what I think that means. I have no idea. When everything is ready, which, by the way, if you've ever wondered why, why would God allow my marriage to be like this? Why would God allow 
my finances to be like this? Why would God allow suffering in the world? Why would God allow all this? You know, most of the right answers is we don't know. But, but the one part of it we do know is if there, if there were never any suffering in the world, would any of us turn to God? And the answer is absolutely not because we would trust in ourselves. So God takes all of this sorrow and he takes all of this suffering and he's trying to convey to these fellows and he's trying to convey to us that when we are in him and because we're in him, we are right with God, that we can walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and we can live with Jesus and growing to become like Jesus isn't whether you come to church, isn't whether you go to a group, isn't whether you give or whether or not you went on a mission trip. Walking with Jesus and being able to trust and abide in him and him in us is about this one thing. Do you get Jesus in the right priority of your life and do you fight to keep him there? Period. You say, yeah, but Chuck, did I hear you say Catholic a minute ago? Are, you're telling me Catholics could be my neighbor in heaven? Well, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. Well, Chuck, I just don't sure how I like that. Then don't worry about their salvation, worry about yours. (laughs) Well, Chuck, are you you telling me that the worst possible terrorist in the world could be my neighbor in heaven? I'm not sure I want that. Check your heart at the door and stop worrying about them and get your heart right. Jesus is saying here, I prepared a place and he didn't put any limitations on it. I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now watch this. The hierarchy of the Trinity feels like this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. That same God the Father is the one that King David said, wherever I go, there you are. There is no place I can go that you are not. And that same God that we're referring to here, Jesus is saying, wherever you go, that's where I am. This is the same Jesus that will never leave you, never forsake you. This is the same Jesus who says, I will come to you and I will abide in you and you abide in me. And when these things happen and you content, when you become content in me, you can do all things. Yet apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the same Jesus who's preparing them for his departure. And he goes on and says, and you know the way where I'm going. And, and Thomas, you've got to love Thomas. Doubting Thomas. I mean, our, our churches are full of doubting Thomases. Pulpits are full of doubting Thomases. You know why? I don't know if you've noticed this or not lately, but you're human. And humanity begs doubt. Most of us as humans have a negativity bias toward all things, especially faith. So Jesus isn't saying, hey, just trust. He's saying, trust that I am doing what I say I'm doing and that I'm going to do what I've said I'm going to do and I'm going to come back and call you back to me, but for a while I'm going to leave. And listen to what he says. Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going, so how could we know the way? Do you not love how honest this is? Can't you imagine all of the disciples giving Thomas the stink eye right then? And, and Thomas probably saying, guys, I said it. You know you thought it. I'm just willing to actually say it. And Thomas says, no, Lord, really, we don't have a clue. And Jesus told him, and I love this about Jesus, that he has the unique way to be super clear. And yet he doesn't slam him. Like, you know, if, if I had been Jesus, 
after Thomas had seen all this stuff, I mean, in my, I would want to reach over and grab him by the back of his head and slam his nose into the table. In love. But Jesus looks at him and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, Thomas, I, I know you think it's more than this, but I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. It, Thomas, will you stop trying to have this checklist of stuff you're supposed to do? Because I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Have you ever noticed? Let's just, let's just pretend, all right? Let's think of where you would want to travel anywhere in the world and you were planning your summer vacation. Let's just say some of you want to go to Paris. Been there, not sure why you want to go, but okay. So say you want to go to Paris. You know what I've noticed? None of you can flap your arms fast enough or long enough to get you there. Just can't happen, can it? Did you know that you cannot drive across the Atlantic Ocean? I got a pretty awesome vehicle, but I, I can't even do that in my Tahoe. So to get from Atlanta to Paris, you can fly Delta, uh, you can fly Qantas, you can fly American, United, uh, you, you can fly Virgin, you can fly British Air. I mean, you, you could fly Air France. But I've never noticed anybody that got mad about that was the only way to get to Paris was on a plane. But now we Americans hate it when Jesus says, I am the way. Because we like stuff that's in our control. Hence, we have denominations. Well, the way I'm going to heaven is the Baptist way. Well, the way I'm going to heaven is the Methodist way. Well, the way I'm going to heaven is the Pentecostal way. The way I'm going to heaven, blah, 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 blah. And all the while, Jesus is saying, but I'm the way. You see, if your plane, if your spiritual plane is directing you anywhere but Jesus, then that is not the Holy Spirit at work in your life. When people say to me, I just wish I knew when it's the Spirit and when it's my feelings. Okay, it's super easy, ready? If you let your feelings direct you, your feelings will march you off the map where the dragons live. But if you allow the Spirit direct you, he will point you directly to Jesus. Are you with me? Amen. Are you dead? Are you, do you not like it when I'm toned down like this? <laughs> I'm trying to be sweet here. It's not working. So we, we're all going to get on a plane, right? We're all going to go to Paris on a plane, but we don't fuss that we have to go on different airlines. Well, why are we fussing about how we're going to get to heaven when Jesus says, I don't care what else you do, there's one way you're going to be right with God, and that's through me. Because I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Have you ever noticed that when, when you say, this is the way, on a GPS, how many of you use Waze? Anybody use Waze? Have you ever changed the voice of Waze? You, have you ever heard the drill sergeant? He's my favorite. Like, you punch that bad boy in, like, I just love to turn it on. I know the way home. I mean, my truck knows the way home. But I love to turn it on. And when I get out here to Hillcrest in 20, you know what my voice says? Turn right! That fires me up. 
Now watch this. I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. We, the way we get, but what about the truth? I mean, you know what I've noticed? There's no more fresh air than truth. There's nothing more, there's nothing more refreshing than truth. Matter of fact, if, if you want to enliven your marriage, start speaking truth and stop trying to appease and stuff and hold all your junk. By. Speak truth. If you want to know if you've got the right person to marry, ask yourself, are they speaking truth into my life? Yeah, you, you want to have a better relationship with friends? Speak truth. And by the way, you want a better relationship with Christ? Speak truth. Because he is never going to speak anything but truth to you. Ever. And then he says, and I'm the life. You know, I, I don't know anybody who thinks their present life is the best it could ever be. I've met with people this week that are totally hopeless. In my group Wednesday night, we talked about the difference between hopeless and helpless. Uh, some of you in this room are hopeless. I've been there. Hopeless is when you don't think things will ever get any better. Some of us in this room are helpless, where we don't know how to make things any better. Some of us are hopeless and helpless, and we're just depressed. But Jesus comes along and says, if I am the way and I am the truth, then I have a life that you cannot get any other way but me. And if you want to follow me and you want to trust me and you want to walk with me, this is not about correcting your behaviors. This is not whether you smoke, drink, chew, or hang out with women that do. Which is a little gross when you think about it. This is about your heart and Christ alone. And how much do you want of the way, the truth, and the life? Because I know this about every single one of you in this room right now and those of you watching online. I know exactly how much Jesus you have right now. You have the exact amount you want. I can tell you how much life, how much truth you have right now. You have all you want. Now, the text goes on. And Jesus says, not only am I the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one can come to the Father except through me. If you'd... If you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Now watch this. God the Father, creator of the universe. We know that. These men would have known that being young Jewish boys. God our creator, right? Yahweh, Jehovah. They got that, right? And most of us get it. God, our creator, spoke the world into existence, holding everything in the palm of his hand, keeping everything together, right? Then... God creates the heavens and the earth, and shortly thereafter creates man. He looks at man and fixes something before he even has to deal with sin. He looks at man and he says it's not good for him to be alone. So he creates woman, and all the men said, amen. I said, and all the men said, amen. amen. Liars. And so, then he has to deal with sin. Thank you, ladies. Kidding, just kidding. <laughs> easy. He deals with aloneness and he deals with sin and he begins his redemptive plan of drawing man and women back to himself. So at the right time, he sees a world who's let sin enter into the world and evil has taken over our hearts and our lives. And he says, I don't want this vast chasm between us. Because see, God can't hang out with imperfection because he's perfect, which means 
a sinless God can't allow sinful people to hang out with him. So you have to do something with the sin issue. So God the Father sends a part of him, God the Son. And now listen to what happens. God the Son gives his life and sheds his blood as the payment for all of our sin, all of our selfishness, all the bad choices we've ever made and all the bad attitudes we've had. Not only that, all the ones that we've yet to have. And says, if you call on his name, then he will forgive you of all that. And in the midst of all that, Jesus dies, pays the punishment for us, buried three days later, raises from the dead, shows himself to about four or 500 people, and now sits beside the Father and praying for you right now. That's literally what the scripture says, that Jesus is praying for you right now. Now you say, well, what is he praying me for? That you might know the way, the truth, and the life. So in this moment, right now, Jesus is sitting beside God the Father praying for you. But now watch this. If God sent Jesus... Who sends the Holy Spirit? Go further into the text and go all the way over to uh, verse 25. Jesus goes on. He says, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, I love this in the New Living, says that is the Holy Spirit. Because remember, he's still talking to, to Thomas. By the way, right after Thomas did that, you know what Philip said? No, really, we don't know. Could you show us a better way? It's just like us. And Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. He goes on and says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. So now watch this. God the Father directs Jesus. Jesus will never lead you anywhere but to God the Father. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never direct you back to anything but Jesus because Jesus is under the authority of God the Father and the Holy Spirit is under the authority of Jesus the Son. And when you put them all together, they give you the way, the truth, and the life. Now, when you put all that together, you'd say, but Chuck, if all that's true, and then why is the world so whacked out? Are you ready? Take this finger right here, hold it up, and then point it right at yourself. And now you know. I saw some husband point at his wife. (laughs) You. Now watch this. They're both right. Now hold that same finger up. Now point it at me. If it were just my sin, Jesus would have died and given the way, the truth, and the life. And if it had been just you, he'd have done the same. So you say, well, Chuck, I, I wish I knew what to do with with this. Like I get the analogy, I got to fly the Jesus plane to get to heaven, but what do I do now? This is where truth and life come in. Like if Jesus is the way to heaven, that means he's also on the way to heaven on earth. And how did he teach us to pray? On on this earth as in what? So he's called us to live in peace and truth and the way. He's called us to live in his way, his truth, and his life, and yet the whole world would rather turn to somebody else rather than the one who said, I have the way, I have the truth, and I have the life. 
And you know why we do that? Because we are puffed up and prideful human beings. And without suffering in the world, we would never turn to the way, the truth, and the life. Because in our suffering, our broken-hearted, broken-hearted, let me say it again, broken-hearted state of life causes us to look upward. All the while, Jesus is looking right at us, saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And anybody who's seen me has seen the Father. Friend, what in the world are you waiting on? Well, Chuck, I, I, I want to get all my junk straight before I try to come to Jesus. Leave all your junk at the door. Drop it all. Because apart from him, you have no hope of fixing that mess. None. He is the only way, the only truth. The only, it's the only way you're going to get through the rest of this whacked out human life. Then you say, well, then if that's it, I'm on the Jesus plane and I want to do it. How do I do it? Well, let me just settle a few things, all right? Jesus never said you have to join a church to take him. Jesus never said you have to walk an aisle. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a prophet. You just need Jesus. But, but don't I need to talk to a pastor? You can, but you don't need to because he made it available to talk directly to him. And so all you got to do is talk to him. You say, well, Chuck, I don't even know what to tell Jesus. I mean, I'm not sure we've ever had a chat before. Well, watch this. He's waiting to talk to you right now because he's been praying for you all morning. And, and the conversation can sound like this. Jesus, today, would you forgive me for every bad attitude, bad action, bad decision I've ever made? I don't even know how you could do that, but would you, would you do it? And according to this book, he says, I'll hear you and I'll answer you. By the way, that's, that's not on my authority. And that's certainly not on the authority of some church. And, and if some knucklehead tells you it's on his authority, that guy's lying. It's on the authority of God himself. A God who cannot and will not lie. Said, if you call on his name, he'll hear you. Say, okay, Chuck, I got it. I'm sorry. What's next? Well, there's no real, you've kind of done your thing now, you know. But right after that, why don't you make this your prayer today? Jesus, I've, I've been trying to do it my way. I'm going to lay down my junk. I'm willing, I'm willing to take your way, your truth, and your life today. I'm going to take you on. And then you say, well, what else? Well, why don't you just go ahead and thank Jesus? Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being buried for me, being dead as dead could be. And thank you for raising from the dead and walking out of that tomb and going to the disciples say, hey, fellas, I've come to bring you peace. And 40 days later, out of there, sitting by the Father, praying for you right now, January 13th, 2022, the day before Valentine's, and the one thing he wants is your heart. And you say, well, Chuck, that's what I want to do. Okay. Most people then say, so what do I do? Because we, we think there's something else to do. Like, Chuck, don't I need to take the communion? Nope. Don't I have to get baptized? Nope. Chuck, do I have to get baptized to join the church? Nope. Well, Chuck, do I, do I need somebody to sling some water on me? Nope. Do, does somebody need to hit me hard in the forehead and I fall over? Nope. 
So what do I have to do? Trust Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Not the church, not the pastor, not the priest, not the pope. Jesus and Jesus alone. So if that's the desire of your heart, you say, well, okay, I want to settle that today. Now what do I do? Well, you do what a high schooler did at 930 who said, Chuck was preaching at camp and I prayed and gave my life to Christ and I just figured out after this time, if I'm going to do what Jesus wanted me to do, the next thing is to get baptized. You say, well, where'd that come from? Well, Matthew 28 is pretty clear. Make disciples, that's follow Jesus. Right after you become a disciple, get baptized. The word baptized means come up out of the water, right? You know, you can't come up until you've been under. And so to get baptized pictures Jesus' death standing in the water, Jesus' burial going under the water. Praise God, we don't wait till you blow bubbles. And Jesus' resurrection, and we're bringing you back up. And you say, well, doesn't that wash away my sins? No. Jesus washed away your sins. Well, Chuck, do I have to get baptized then to go to heaven? No. But if you want to walk in the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said, this is what you do next. I got all kind of people sitting here and watching at home who at some time in a service with me or somewhere else, you said, Jesus, that's me. Count me in. I'm all in. And you're wondering why the way, the truth, and the life isn't working for you. And it could be that you've just said, I'm just buckled down and I'm going to do it my way. I'm good for heaven, but I don't care how I live the rest of the world. I'm just good for heaven. And you're missing the whole purpose of what the way, the truth, and the life was all about here on this earth because you just are so brutally stubborn that you're just saying, well, I'm not going to get baptized. I don't have to. So let's get this right. Jesus was baptized. So it's good enough for him. How is it not good enough for you? Jesus told us to be baptized. That's part of the way. That's part of the truth. That's part of the life. Why wouldn't I do that if I want the best that Christ has for me? And you know why? Because you're too dang proud. That's why. So today... I want to make it ridiculously easy for you. Right now, let's settle the first part. If you want to ask Christ to come into your life and let him be the way, the truth in your life today, which is what I said earlier, Jesus, forgive me. I want to live for you, not me. Thanks for dying, for being buried, raising from the dead for me. I want all you offer and I want to live for you. And today you want to settle that. Just raise your hand wherever you're at. Just raise your hand. All right, so it takes one. Yeah, amen, amen, amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody? Yeah, amen, amen. Anybody else? Keep them up, y'all. Keep them up. Don't be afraid. Amen. I see it. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So in a minute, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I've discovered that the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus doesn't keep calendars like we do. And he doesn't keep time like we do. You realize right now, Jesus couldn't give a hoot where you have to go to lunch, right? So if you want to follow Jesus in believer's baptism right now, we're going to stand and sing this old hymn. And it's not long, it's short, so you, you get your Nikes on. And you want to follow Jesus in believer's baptism today, the minute we stand and the minute we start singing, we've got everything you need. 
We got drawers. We got clothes. We got hair dryers. We got towels. We got a private room for you. We got everything you need. And we got a team waiting on you. And the minute we start singing, you leave wherever you're at. And you say, well, Chuck, I'm in the middle of an aisle. I promise these, part, these people will part like the Red Sea to let you come to, come to Jesus. You go right back there to that. You see that exit sign to your right? Everybody turn their heads so nobody looks weird. Right over there. You're going to see my two friends, Andy and Beth. And all they're going to do is pray with you real quick. And they're going to take you to a private room and let you get dressed. We're going to sing this hymn and then I'm going to baptize you. Now, you might say, well, Chuck, I want to wait. I want to put it off. Let me just stop and say to you, you've been telling yourself that for months, maybe years, weeks. Stop it. Stop it. Get right with the way, the truth, and life and deal with it right now. Be done with this. Move on with your life and be done with this. And if nobody comes, listen, I trust the Spirit of God. I'm not here to force you into anything. Whatever God tells you, do. But don't walk out this door and say, man, I wish I would have. Because the way, the truth, and life is waiting on you right now. Amen. Let's stand. Zach, lead us in this old hymn. Don't wait. Now it's time to walk. Go right now. Go right now. What are you waiting on? Go right now. Don't let your pride keep you from this. New mercies I don't stand there like a bump on a log. Move. I have needed thy hand. Hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Considering the way, the truth, and the life, what are you waiting on? As Zach continues to sing, you want to pray? Just come on up here. I'll pray with you. You want somebody to pray with? Just come on. I'll pray with you. You want to come to this altar and leave all that? Just come on. Come to this altar. Morning by morning, new mercy.
Y'all have a seat for just a second. I know the hour's late and some of y'all are freaked out about it. I want you to know I'm not. But I do, I do want to honor your time. But I'm a lot more worried about what God wants than lunch, honestly, right at the moment. On your way out today, there's these little packets like we had last week. I want you to listen to this text from John 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling. Listen to these two words, among us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Man, I can't imagine going through the mess of this life without him. I can't imagine raising kids and grandchildren apart from him. I can't imagine facing death and destruction and sorrow. I just can't, I can't even wrap my head around that. But the word became flesh and he made his dwelling, not just a house, but I'm hanging out. And that word among isn't around, it's in, in us. So when you leave today, these little packets are out there. They've got this card you can put in your car truck to remind you. It's got a little key fob for those of you that lose your keys. And every time you can remember, he is with me even when I lose my keys. And, and then it's got a few of these uh, fake tattoos for those of you that want to look like your hipster. Bobby just told me we got two people that want to get baptized. And... Uh, So uh, I want to give you a uh, I want to give you a pass if you need to leave. I know some of you do. Just it's a, it's cool. I'm not going I'm not going to say anything nasty or even smart aleck, although I want to, but I'm not. It's totally cool if you got to go. But if it's where you can hang out, uh, we're giving a second and get dressed and we're going we're going to baptize a couple folks today. Is that cool with you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, I am stalling to get them dressed. So this one last thing I do want to tell you. Do you not love the fact that we just sing Jesus music here? So I had a fella uh, visited for the first time last week, talked with him by phone, middle of the week. And uh, he said, is it always like that? And I said, why, yes, it is. And he said, okay, I might can do that. I'm, I'm coming from a church that's far more traditional than you are. I said, you'll probably love us in time. And he said, well, it might take a long time. And I said, I get that. We're not for everybody. And I'm, I'm not for everybody. But, but if you want to know Jesus, come on. You'll get a dose of Jesus every single week.